to the Golf Barons Podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us careen through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical retelling of an iconic golf moment. Time to add some swagger to your swing. Hello Barons, welcome to today's Tenuous Links Golf Podcast, possibly our final one for 2020 in a year that has been anything but, well, exciting. <laughs> Phil, the Kipper, great to have you boys well, in. Well, I'll stop you there. It hasn't been dull. <laughs> well, it hasn't been dull, that's true. <laughs> and it does take oh, one bat. Yeah. Or a pangolin, or we'll get to the bottom of that eventually, Phil. But I'm going to throw over to you for a bit of the hatred, just to bring us down again before we bump ourselves back up. Uh, oh, no, we be- learnt one thing. This is Philip's segment. He, he's very good at this. He's it in is, his element, is. isn't he? And in fact, before he kicks off, how how about him last week uh, when we were out uh, doing a bit of filming? He was one of the most grumpy, <laughs> grumpiest people you could ever wish to know. Well, very rarely do me and Dames like just go, oh, oh, oh Phil. Hey, hey, Phil, Phil. <laughs> but both, take, take it down both a notch, big fella. Like, uh, uh, Phil. <laughs> yeah, are we you are. done? Yeah. Are we done? Are we done? Okay. Okay. You, sir. So in our last podcast, I was accused, uh, quite rightly, of going off on a bit of a rant. <laughs> and there's every chance that that was such a thrill that it's going to continue because after the year we've had, there is a point where I just can't sit back with things that concern me and just go, oh, yeah, but they'll be okay. Oh, yeah, they'll be okay. So I'm going to start with a quote from Malcolm X. And it was a quote, it was part of a speech to the Oxford Debating Club in the 1960s. And I'm going to just give you the last little bit. I have more respect for a man who lets me know where he stands, even if he's wrong, than someone who comes up like an angel and is nothing but a devil. Mm. Double standards. Here we go. Double standards. Grow the game. We need and want more girls and women playing golf. My concern is that at the moment these are tick boxes in an effort to gain funding or gain support or otherwise as opposed to legitimate efforts. And what was highlighted particularly to me, and this is not just an Australian issue, this is a, a global golf issue, this idea of women worth watching. So the US coverage of the Women's US Open, which, by the way, was a cracking event, and amongst all the elite competitors, Gabby Ruffles, congratulations as an amateur to come top 15, 13th, I think she came. Hashtag women's worth watching. US coverage favoured this the crappy shootout rubbish over the most elite women's tournament on earth. Yet at the same time, this is all about hashtag women worth watching. My second hate to that is that, of course, they're worth watching. They're the best women in the world. Surely we don't need to hashtag them because we don't say men worth watching. They have to stand on their own feet. Carrie Webb made a great point about that, that it's not needed. They're worth watching. And my final point. It seems it seems hate. to be patronising, doesn't well, it? Phil? And therein lies, we can go around in circles here, but even that, that buys into to my hate was the fact that the issue is there's so many idiot males out there that, that still make fun of it that I can understand why they went with a hashtag like that, but it, it then lessens the whole thing because they're, they're, the they're the best golfers in the world. So, of course, they're worth watching, but to some people, they just don't get it still, which is super sad. So, I, I understand the rant, Philip. But, Dees, you, you say there are these idiot males oh. around there, so I'm just going to throw it back yep. at you. Bet you can't name three. Absolutely, because I don't know. I don't know any. I don't know any who are getting no, out there having I, a crack I, at I these. I know plenty of women who think that it's very patronising the way in which they're presenting this mm-hmm. stuff. 
But I don't know. No. I don't know any men who are going. Oh, we shouldn't be watching women's golf. It's boring. Oh. It's this. It's that. I, th- I think we're we're almost yelling into the abyss a yeah. little bit. At well, it's, it's, to answer that, I'm obviously around a facility that's got you know heaps of people in and out, in and out, in and out, and you do hear random comments all the time, of which I'll, I'll I'll pull them up on every time. You know, just the denigrating stuff, like oh, you hit it like a girl, or you you know things that, that systemically have a, uh, people have an issue with, right? And they've got to grow from that and, and that, the, that that latest campaign, Call People Out, I love it because it's just making people accountable for being really idiots, right? And so from that point of view, I do get why they went with a, a hashtag like that. I do. I understand it. But uh, further to your actual both of your points is that most of us all know that. Like, we do, of course they're worth what? It's the best place in the world. So, But, Shooter, there are, Shooter, there are a lot of men that just won't watch – women's golf because it's women's golf and it's mm. below them and they're half the time probably the same ones who complain that Bryson hits it too far so in reality mm. they're just I think to both your point yeah. they're just whingers and they're going to whinge about anything but this actually gets to the core of my hate if I can and this is an Australian specific issue and it's one that I thought geez do we really want to go down there but you've got to say what you think I have more respect for a man who lets me know where he stands tell us what you think Philly how is it possible we can talk about growing the game in Australia for women and girls and have as a major sponsor of Australian golf the airline, a state-owned airline of one of the most oppressive regimes to women yeah. in the world in Qatar Airways. It's a disgrace. It I cannot, it's a disgrace. I, I cannot and the media, where, when everything happened around Qatar Airways, not one call out. So the, the golf-owned media, no one called this out. It's yeah. crap. And I'm, I'm actually trying to prevent us from having to put the E behind our our uh, podcast. It's just it, crap. Oh, 100%. And I love the initiatives. But if they're going to be tick boxes and then if we're going to tell people that we love them and then turn around and take money from people who, who oppress them, don't. It's the incredible hypocrisy yeah. that we see that pisses people off more than anything else because it shows that or at least it appears that what's being put out there is that is, is paying lip service to it's it's all about the look it's all about the virtue signaling if i can then actually carrying through the you know, yeah and and this is and this is what the hard thing is about any sporting body or business in general right you gotta have ethics and and morals and that has to be that has to be held true and i mean you know they're making stands in all sorts of sporting worlds where you're not now allowed to be you know clearly allowed to have smokes as a you know sponsor and there's, there's just lines being drawn in the sand and, and this one's like it is. It's a slap in the face to what they're trying to achieve. It's incredibly ugly optics. Yeah, absolutely. I'm done. Okay, well, boys, I know you two have gone off a little bit on the rant. I'll, I'll, my hate this week isn't isn't over the top or anything like that. <laughs> I'm 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 sick of people who use hyperbole around oh, golf claiming that, to mate? be the devil. The old hyperbole. (laughs) Claiming that to be the devil, supporting their bogus claims with lazy researching at best to push a popular narrative among the so-called intellectual elites to reach a predetermined conclusion that is so palpably wrong to anyone who has even looked at the game with any more depth than a five-minute Google search before claiming they have a valid game-changing argument. (laughs) Oh, shit, kid, I forgot to take a breath. (laughs) Of course, I'm talking about the incoherent drivel penned in the Sydney Morning Herald by columnist Mm. and academic, which two titles on their own that should make you want to vomit, uh, Jenna Price, who was calling to ban or close public golf courses to make them open public spaces for the vast majority of us. 
Well, it's an absolute load of garbage, but um, I'm sure we'll get onto that topic a little later, boys. Well, it's, is it? You can't just leave it. Well, it, it oh, I'm leaving it there for the moment. What, what I love <laughs> just about that whole the whole argument is if it wasn't for golf, if it wasn't for council support or government support of golf, that land would have been chopped up and been houses a long, long time ago. So they're forgetting where it come from. It, the land's there because- of a reason. It doesn't just sit there. Select Selectively, Dave, because you clearly are far more academic than this. Mate, if you've, it, but we'll move if you've on heard me that. talk, speak, or try to put out the English language, you are well aware that there is no you know, linguistic skills here or academia. But- Well, wait. But, hang on a minute. Hang on. Fine. Round of applause. Thank you. I, uh, <laughs> I, I should have prepared that earlier, but- uh, Anyway, point is, it, it makes me giggle. It does. It makes me giggle. Before before we get into all those heavier topics, boys, I'm going to throw a love around because we've been a little bit negative to start possibly our final podcast for the year. I'm going to tell you what my love is, boys. It's quality golf instruction that takes hours. Nay. Takes minutes to implement <laughs> and change your swing for the better. This is magnificent. And before I go delve into that, I do want to just throw out there that I think Operation Champ needs to be renamed Operation Chump. Philly, well, I'm going to let you take it from here. <laughs> okay, well, let me just explain this. So, little Mr. Incidental, oh, look at my guns. I'm going to wear shirts that are four sizes too small. Shooter sits on the practice fairway, accidentally posing whilst putting on head covers and taking them off, squeezing his triceps and his biceps as hard as possible just in case the camera's rolling. I just needed to know which way the cafe was. That and what time it was. Now, that said, it did appear on the surface that... (laughs) Your instruction was a little bit different than my instruction. So here's how I'm going to to the listeners. I had no idea where this anger or or, or. yeah, yeah, that's okay. So we're on the we're on the practice fairway at Sanctuary Lake. So I turn around. I'm trying to do something intellectual, trying to learn what f stop was with the cameras. (laughs) I turn around, and in the space of 45 seconds, I've got Shooter being coached by Kipper, and Shooter with this. I would normally say I shoot any grin, but for fear of getting the E. <laughs> Going, what, is that it? And then he hits three shots with what appeared to be on the surface, and I'm sure it'll fail him, a reasonable action. Um, <laughs> but based on one little, what appeared to be one very quick thought, at the same time, Operation Champ, which was an entire mission, gets a soccer ball and... I get told to swing with a soccer ball in my arms, which I've been doing for six weeks without the upgrade. Shooter gets 45 seconds of magic wand and I get six weeks of piss. Here's, here's the beauty. I'll, I'll, I have to, I, I wish I could just box the two of you and make a perfect human uh, because. <laughs> <laughs> you mean one that's not short and dumpy? And with well, between the two of you, you'd be, the between the two of you, you'd be average size and average weight. So, <laughs> and I'd still swing it fast. Anyway, point is, you are if if shooter had your diligence, who knows what he could accomplish? And, Excellent yeah, butcherization. Yes, yes, nice, nice word yeah, using. Yeah. And, and and if and if you had shooter's natural talent. Tell him uh, for what? Well, Shooter's got a golf swing that just hasn't worked for years, but it looks better than it is. Um, <laughs> and, and it wasn't – it's not Factual. hard to change. Just check that. And Fact for the listeners out, 
for the listeners out there that have no idea what we're talking about for the last 10 minutes, basically, Phil wanted a process for hitting it long. So we started this process, which is a little bit uh, entailed for Phil. And Shooter has always been long. He's just been very wayward. <laughs> and we've got to change his shot pattern, of which he did in about 30 seconds. <laughs> so it, it was 30, uh, seconds. 30 seconds. Anyway, six let, weeks let's, with a soccer let's, ball. Let's uh, see where this lands in about another six months with the Perriers. Because. <laughs> I, I'm still, I'm probably still backing you in, Phil, because I reckon Shooter will give up on it. That's my love, Phil, because it's it's all about you've got to be you've got to be a good listener as a student. It's not only about yourself. You've got to listen. You've got to take it in and you've got to apply it. But what did I say to you, Shooter, when we left the range? I don't know. I, I wasn't listening. You, yeah, exactly. I bet you don't listen to this for more than a day, and you'll go back your old ways. But anyway, we'll see who hangs in there because geez, it looked good. And I even sent them on the the WhatsApp. I was that proud of his little swing. I'm like, this might get his confidence up. But uh, yeah, very good. Anyway, classic. But Phil, you, you're up and about, uh, hopefully, with your new drill. I tell you, the first step is I'm going to go out and buy an extra, extra, extra small shirt. <laughs> Just so that I can walk around thinking what well, my guns are. Your, pro- your problem is, Phil, yeah. that you're six no, no, foot end, nine end of that. and Thank you've you. got the body. Otherwise, you've got the body of an eight-year-old. So it doesn't quite work. Well. <laughs> it's not, there's not too many manufacturers that can cater to your oddly <laughs> shape. <laughs> I like how much he loves it. <laughs> anyway, uh, over to you, Phil. Anyway. anyway, all right. Where are we at? Where- so, okay, I've composed myself. I've got three loves. I'm going with a triple love because <laughs> that is my want. For one of them is not my body shot. <laughs> I love, I love all abilities, mm. golfers. Now, there is some context to this as well. So we were out filming at Sanctuary Lakes. And by the way, anyone who's either in Melbourne, coming to Victoria, coming to Australia, Sanctuary Lakes, it's cracking, magnificent in the best nick I've ever seen it. It's actually perfect. Best condition I've ever seen it. It's perfect. The course was perfect. It, no other way to say it. Anyway, Sean Backer, who's the club manager out there, we we're talking about a number of different things, and we we're talking about filming a challenge for Golf Barons for Season 2, and that was the one-leg challenge. We did the one-arm challenge, we did blindfold, so it only made sense that we did one leg. Sean then mentions that he's an amputee and, and with a backstory, and it was very nice of him to share that with him. And then not only that, but he offered to hit balls for us. Well, off with his prosthetic leg and then off off one leg. But he's a flusher. Yeah, and it only absolute flusher. But it only just dawned on me, it only just dawned on me, for, for whatever reason, having actually been close to it, that the word that was bandied around and still is around disability is such an enormously derogatory term when it's incredible abilities and I'm not just I'm not just trying mm. to pump it up for mm. the sake of it but but I mean the ability to overcome forget forget ability to play golf but to overcome obstacles and, and which will lead on to a top topic later on uh, of mine but from a golf point of view was an incredible experience and it was very humbling but the thing that I love most is that a couple of times I said to Sean look if you don't like the direction we're heading you're allowed to just pull it up no nah, no nah. It's okay yeah. to have fun with it. Yeah. It exists. I only have one leg. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. So just go with it. So love that. Yeah. Just on that very quickly, mate. I'm um, the most, as you, you, both of you often tell me, I'm probably the most anti-PC yeah. person going around, but I couldn't agree with you more <laughs> on that. You're right. Disability, it, it's such a negative term. And when you see these guys and you get up with them, I mean, I don't think I'm out. Of, I'm speaking out of school to say that they hit it better than than most people. So it's it's ridiculous to say, um, yes, that they're at a disadvantage. So you know, so to speak. But yeah, all abilities is such a a, a much more brilliant term, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and I, I, I'd, uh, t- t- I'd never heard it, like, I guess, put that way. It was You were the first one that showed me that, Philip, and I was like, yeah, that's a cool way uh, of putting it. So, no, uh, and Sean, how good was his beer out for us? is he? <laughs> oh, man, he's a flat, he made, <laughs> an absolute, he made a mockery but, of you, but again, <laughs> Made a mockery of all of us, to be honest. Is, but the idea that golf, and I'll talk about it later, but the idea that golf can be so welcoming as a sport will be mm. a top topic, so park that there. Secondly, people who know stuff about stuff, mm. particularly the history of the game, and I mentioned this today because uh, – what's <laughs> that? Any danger of us getting one on here? Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not going to be asking you two any questions. This is ridiculous. But Society of Golf Historians on Twitter, I found a couple of old golf clubs that the folks join up in the bush and thought, gee, that's interesting. And I thought, who can I ask? And then I saw someone post a topic about a Robert Forgan, who was a club maker in St Andrews. And so I just sent a couple of images and straight away I get an answer back going, look, it could be this. It's probably post-1901. I'd love to see the face because it'll tell me more. I love people who know stuff, particularly about the history of the game, because I love the history of the game. And I'm moving on to my third love. So, Kipper, I'm stealing two of your loves tonight so you don't get one. I love when you're up and about, Phil. That's my love. (laughs) Are you ready? I love, and this is the thing. So remember Play It Forward? Remember hashtag Play It Forward when I was big on hashtags? (laughs) Multiple generations getting together to celebrate the game of golf, the game we love. And I saw a post from uh, Christian Small, who's a teaching golf pro up at Bonnie Doon Golf Club in Sydney, where it was grandparents and parents and kids all standing around a green celebrating the game of golf on a bit of a competition day for kids. And it was, this is the essence of what golf needs. It doesn't need, Damo, to your point in the last podcast, super expensive you know, marketing exercises and advertising and all the rest of it. It needs this idea of just play it forward, play the game forward, pass the game forward and realise that this is intergenerational, Mm. that you can play golf with a grandparent, you can play golf with a parent, you can play golf with people of your own generation. Or we could could just close them all and those three generations could just walk around. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Thanks, Jenna. Yes, (laughs) That's right, because as we know, recreational walking is up 70%. But just as recreational walking carrying or or dragging a golf buggy may well be included, uh, but I hear in the Paris Olympics, recreational walking is becoming a new Olympic sport, so look out for that getting funding, because someone walked around the block because that was the only thing they were allowed to do during COVID. Good stats, Jenna. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) Love your loves, Phil. I'm a a big fan of your loves. I love your loves. Yeah, that's right. But we, we've got a lot. Should we get to straight into top topics, tonight. boys, or have we got a have we got a game changer? Has anyone got a game changer? Well, it, this is a Having game changer that could be a top topic. <laughs> but I'm going to go. With, I'm going to call it a game changer. Hold on to your hats because Jenna might come up again here. Okay, and I'm going to offend a lot of people. I'll get comfortable. Standard. Three, two, one. Get the dump button ready. Do the water walkers threaten golf as an inclusive game more than exclusive clubs do? What, what do you mean by water walkers, Phil? Uh, holier than thou's, take I'm your position you. on top of your soapbox, hold a, hold a position that no one can ever achieve and, you know, you know, kind of just cruise across the Botany Bay on your feet because you think you're a little bit uh, up there. And don't spill your Chardonnay. Well, it was water, shooter. <laughs> they did manage to switch it around. So getting back to the lovely article in Sid- Sydney Morning Herald. Yeah, let's get on to and it. And it was very nice of us, and it's almost to the point where I wrote it under a pseudonym of Jenna Price, except I am a academic. I'm not an academic, which is similar to Ali G when he was wearing a 100% acrylic because <laughs> no. it said it was from acrylic. So here's what happens. Golf, and here's, in fact, golf's biggest challenge, one of the biggest challenges that I was not aware of until I, the water walkers started talking about Park. Let's take away the public golf courses on public land. Let's, therefore, not give people a place to play. 
and leave the only places for them to play exclusive golf clubs with expensive entry tags. This, in effect, can make what is an absolutely beautifully inclusive game more exclusive than ever if we allow this crap to get up. So in the same article that someone, and I'm not saying it would be Jenna, would complain about the cost of golf clubs Mm. or the expense of golf clubs, wants to actually drive the cost up by closing access to public golf courses, potentially all over the land, if not the world, if she gets her way, including Antarctica, and there's a cracking track down there. That would almost almost sounds like you'd have to take your thought one step further than the thing that you've written, Phil. <laughs> one step. It's look. Let's be honest. It's so the article that, and again, we don't want to, we don't want to beat up on individual journalists. Well, journalists. That's 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 not quite correct. Columnists, but we're going to. It's so lazily researched. Golf is a sport so integral to the physical health and well-being of a swathe of people, particularly elderly people, men and women. For many of them, it's the only sport that they can play, the only leisure, the only pastime they can have where they can get exercise and a mental release. It's the only sport where an 80-year-old can play on equal terms with an 8-year-old and have a wonderful time out there. It's the only sport that's in tune with nature. It's more in tune with nature than any sport I can think of. If you can find another one, I'm happy to hear it. It's one where wealth, fame or prestige means nothing once you step up on that tee box. It's the ultimate every man's game, which is where this this stupid old trope that it's you know it's an old white man's game for the wealth wealthy is just it, it does my head in. It is so it, it's it's so lacking in honesty. It's I mean some to quote um, Thomas Sowell, it's an idea so stupid only an intellectual could have thought of it, or even George Orwell. Some ideas are so stupid that only intellectuals believe them, and this is one hundred percent. This falls into that category. Okay, so what happens to golf? What happens to golf? Let, let's say 40% of public golf courses are closed and given back to the recreational walkers of the world who are up 70%. So the first question is, what does it do for golf? And the second question is, which I know we've probably spoken too much about, but what happens to the land if they stop driving revenue? What do you think a council does exactly. to the land if it stops being a revenue driver and becomes a cost centre? Yeah. But to that point, Phil, if how many council buildings are sitting there empty 99% of the time, the, but, but they're used for, I don't know, an arts and craft on a certain day or, or some, some quilting. Um, apparently grandma's quite a quilter or grandpa. But how is that okay for these people to talk about? That's all fine. That's all well and good. That can stay, stay shut. But it's something that people actively, if you did any research, would see gives so much back to so many people. And it's so important to so many people and to the community at large. How can those two marry up? And they just they just clearly don't. Yeah. And it, it also too, like uh, it's, as I said earlier in the podcast, they don't exist unless that like it's they would have been chopped up years ago, right? If it was just you know walking land, like in the middle of no one, no one's walking just through a bunch of trees much. Like it's just not happening, right? But they're doing it during COVID because they had nothing to do, right? You can go back and even just the parks around where I live in, in Melbourne and Richmond, they're just flooded with people. But as soon as the bars went back, gone, vacant spaces again, right? Because there was nowhere else to go. So like, it's just the latest craze. Oh, I know, to me, it's just, it's not even worth talking about, to be honest, boys, but- um, But it's real. It, it's the, but the problem the, is the they're really park, talking the, about the it. The potential of Moore Park being turned into a, one, a nine hole course as the first step, and let alone Northcote Golf Course, as a nine hole course, as the natural progression is. Now, I, I've done some research on this. 
Oh, that would but be it was one going to close years ago, Phil, though, that course. And there was, there's a bunch of other courses that were by the by before all this pandemic stuff and a few people jumping on the on the horse about, you know, walking tracks. So so a few of the courses that were, you know, basically council-owned or government-owned um, were going to be chopped up anyway. This might just give them an okay to do it or more push to do it, but the majority of them won't go anywhere. But from a recreational – so here's my research that I found, and I've surveyed a lot of streets. The facilities for recreational walkers are – unbelievable in Australia. I mean, there are footpaths everywhere. So I think they're actually outweighing some of these footpaths should be turned into golf courses because <laughs> per capita, the recreational walkers are taking up more space than golfers. And I want something but done about it. Too. So I'd like every second street turned into a fairway with a practice tee. I think we've got, it's time to take back our land. Anyway, that, that was my it, – it's not really a game changer. I've just – we've got to be wary of the water walkers because they but just – they could just walk around the course and then everyone's happy. I, I just don't get it. It's such a moot point. Or <laughs> take golf back to where it – and I know I've said this enough times and we are ready to move on. But as a worst-case scenario, I tell you what, every Sunday and Wednesday – it's parkland. Yeah. And, and even but look at like the- Let's go back yeah, to the old the home golf. Like exactly right. You know, uh, St. Andrews, it's still parkland, but it's a golf course. Like it, it's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm even tired of the conversation already. I understand that how it- how, oh, okay. Sorry no, but it, 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 it's just tiresome because it's just, as you say, uneducated idiots that don't look at the whole picture. They don't understand economics. They don't understand why it's there to start with and-, and Therefore, it just it's tiresome to even try to make them understand. One of the points that was made within it, though, was make it into a nine-hole course, and that would increase participation. Oh. So before I've got my views on this, but I'll throw it over well, to you. Well, it's boy. the same as Albert Park about you know a year and a half, two years ago. They were about to get chopped up. And that, for those listeners that are uh, not uh, in Melbourne, it's a, just a Melbourne-based course in the heart of the city. Extraordinarily rare worldwide to have a, a golf course right in the middle of the city. You know, big, big buildings all around you. It's absolutely phenomenal when you walk around that track. And yeah, it was about to get chopped up, but luckily didn't get across the line. Ironically, they've got a huge lake with a five-kilometre track around it, <laughs> very next to it, and they've got you know about I think eleven or twelve soccer or football pitches all next to it. Then a driving range, and so you 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 need you need that diversity, and you don't need more um, land. You certainly don't chop it up and be a nine-hole course because it doesn't in- include more. All it does is make people turn away from that course and go play an eight-hole course. And there's plenty of room there for recreational walkers. Yeah. Now let's lighten things up mm. a fraction. Just for, so everyone can get a breather, and because Kipper, I know we're doing your heading. No, I just you know what I mean. Uh, like yeah. it just—it's one of those arguments where you hear someone talk. Of, no, no, I've moved no, on. It's just it's tiresome. You're like, God. Yeah. No, I've moved on. No, no, yeah, I parked idiots. that. I've parked that. <laughs> you might have heard it beeping up into the garage. It's parked because I can't help myself talk about gear. 2020 in gear. What is the one standout product that you have discovered in 2020? 16 degree bounce wedges. <laughs> Mate, for the, for the people out there listening, I had to try these things a few weeks ago and had my nose up in the air, didn't want to look at them, and turns out I may get one. <laughs> Unbelievable. For the, go get one, people, or at least try them. Isn't that interesting, th- th- that idea of discovering something? So it's actually not a new product. It's something that's existed for a long time that you have never been open enough to try because you're a I've golf I've never snob. seen a 16-degree wedge ever. Six, sorry, 16-degree bounce is what I'm, I'm getting at. Never s- I know. Oh, no, that was a low-lofted oh, wedge. I've just never seen one on the rack, Phil. <laughs> That's because everyone's scared of them because of golf snobs yeah, but you're, like a, you're a golf club aficionado. When, when, are they sitting in stores uh, besides Mizuno's latest model? Of course yeah. not. Of course not, because they think that everybody is like you and therefore don't want them, as opposed to understanding what bounce does. And more to the point, when you should have it and when mm. you shouldn't. And as you proved when we were testing them, that there is a time and a place for a high-bounce yeah. wedge 
if it's all about effective bounce as opposed to, oh, geez, don't even get me started, shoot it. Mine is actually a bit of a slightly different one. It's not so much. Am I allowed to include balls in this, Phil? If you go robo-putt, I'll be very- No, no, no. I, I mean, that thing, nothing knocks robo-putt <laughs> off the top of the mantle. That thing's magnificent. Now, I'm just going to go with- I'm actually going to go with the Titleist Pro V yellow ball, Phil. That thing's a game changer for me. <laughs> the one you finished the whole- Well, game. we'll find that out in <laughs> in season two of Golf Barons. There's a, yeah, there's a couple of little, little incidents. I still, I still can't get my head but, around colour balls, but- um, I love them. I, seriously, how easy how easy are they to find? And when you've got the performance behind it to back it up, and yeah, what what more do you need? Anyway, I'm, I'm not trying to turn it into a, into an ad at all, but I truly love them. I reckon they're great. Mm. As scary as that is, well, mine is an absolute standout, and that's the ES21 wedge. And this is as much from my personal experience with it as from watching you guys with it when we we're doing the review. Is that everything that that they said in the design of this wedge? They've then delivered on in terms of how it flows through to feel, and the, like I, I think technically it is it is one of those marvels of design that they have absolutely nailed. That is it going to hit it fifty yards further? No, it's not. Is it going to do X, Y, and Z? But does it do exactly what it says mm. yeah. on the packaging? But does it look any good? It does what it says on the packaging, and it's a design. Which marvel. is what for those out there that don't know, Philip. That, well, they do know because they listen to the podcast. In terms of this idea of having a, a having a wedge or especially wedge that's centre of gravity is dead centre, both vertically and horizontally on the mm. face, which means that strikes out of the heel and toe are going to feel more solid. And Kipper, that was the big discovery for me, mm. is you've said forever you've been hitting your wedges out of the yeah, toe. Yeah, I do. Forever. You just, just always yeah. have. Yet for the first time, you actually had a wedge that was actually not twisting as much away mm. because of effectively gear effect. It was remaining more solid. And all of a sudden, you're having all sorts of fun with yeah. it. So the interesting thing for me will be whether other brands attempt to follow it down that track, whether they have the engineering capability or the desire to. And it may well be one of those outlying products. But I love it without question. Stand out. Excellent. I think it's probably time now, boys, to move into some of the top topics, although we've kind of covered a couple of them already. Philly, I'm going to throw it back to you because I know there's a couple you've got that, well, we'll, do, we'll just turn down your rant meter because I'll, I'll just <laughs> settle you down, settle you down, lean back a little, big fella, a little bit further, and now that you're relaxed, we'll get into it. Let's ease our way into it, Phil. Okay. Don't have a, I don't want you to have a mischief here. How's everyone at home? How's everyone listening? Things are going very well here. It's been a lovely day. Here's one for golf, as opposed to play it forward. And this stems from the conversation we're having about all abilities. And I'm going to read you a poem, and I want you to guess where it's from. The poem's called The New Colossus. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gate shall stand a mighty woman with a torch, whose flame is the imprisoned lightning, and her name, Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome, her mild eyes command, the air-bridged harbour that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tide, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore, send these the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Is it meant to be read with such little vigour, Phil? <laughs> is is golf the Statue of Liberty of sports? No question. Is golf more than any other sport? I mean, we, again, this comes back to this idea of inclusiveness. It's so inclusive. And it's got this bloody moniker of being exclusive. But the sport itself is the only other the only other sport I can think of that comes close, Phil. And, and again, this is probably not 
it's probably not even it's actually probably not even close but the the very the next best i can think of is rugby because you can have all sorts of shapes sizes skill levels but you just have to play as a team in that but at the same time an 80 year old can't play with an 8 year old in in rugby i think there's that element but there's also the element of of the way golf is played and with the ball being static at all times and i think the minute you involve a game where the ball is moving you immediately limit your your total market now now this is not necessarily saying that so really my point is is that golf is the ultimate inclusive sport and i don't think it again that it celebrates that enough i think from spending from spending an hour and a half with with sean has completely opened my eyes to the work and from an australian point of view and golf australia point of view christian hamilton the work that christian's doing in terms of trying to help this, this all abilities mindset with great spokespeople like Mike Rolls. But you can be an amputee. You can be blind. You can be deaf. You can be a dwarf. You can be a midget. You can be wheelchair-bound. It embraces everybody, and it has an opportunity to embrace everybody. And I think this is the beauty of the game and nothing to be th- – have your, your num- thumb nosed, uh, nose thumbed at. Wow. Well, it was Channeling Kipper for a <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even seen anything for a bit. You just must have gotten your head, Phil. The, um, no, I was thinking yeah. about you, though, Kipper, because of your lack of instruction. <laughs> but so golf, that is the new advertising campaign. It is a game. It is not a game for the people as a line. It is a game for the people because that's the game that it is. And spread the word and embrace the game because it is for it literally is for everybody. And I think you're spot on there, Phil, and you've absolutely nailed it on the head. My question to that is: Does golf accept, and do the people who are running golf accept this exclusivity tab? Just without any kind of deference, they just set, they just cop it on the chin, or, or just embrace, or don't embrace it. They they just go, yep, that's fine, that's what we are, rather than you know fighting it and saying, hang on, no, we're not. You show me in your sport where you where you can have people of different ages, different abilities, different you know backgrounds. Does doesn't matter. Different all different walks of life. Show it to uh, me. I mean, I think attitudes are at some places are changing because they almost had to. Like, yet again, we bring up Sean, but we were chatting to Sean about, I guess, membership and, and the membership's going crazy down there. And, and the fact is that one of the questions when- Not according to Janet. Yeah, exactly right. One of the questions they um, they ask people when they walk in is, you know, how can we help you? How can we how, how can we have you in, enjoy your game? Now, I wind that back to when I was a junior, you know, 16, 17, starting to- play golf for the very first time oh my god i used to walk around as i said on eggshells and worry about everything you did to get away with the day where you did nothing wrong was a was a massive result right so i think in the end this is i guess inclusive nature that golf provides just hasn't been at the forefront of people's minds as a way of marketing the game and and, and even to mine like philip i gotta be honest i i, I was still of the i'm still annoyed at the way that a lot of clubs, you know, portray, you know, people coming to their club and, and 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 almost, as I said, yell at them before they do anything wrong. That's how I have kind of seen golf for a long time. And when you brought up the other week on the podcast that, well, yeah, but you can you, – clubs are like that and I don't mind that if I'm going to a club to dress up and feel nice and have my way. Or I can go down and play in thongs at the local, you know, club that, that doesn't have any of – it really got me thinking about the fact that my anger towards clubs like that, right – isn't necessarily valid now, right? They can have that if they want because then I can go and choose to play somewhere else, which I haven't just thought like that. I've thought more along the lines of, well, I'm, 
Yeah, everyone now, should be one way kind of thing. Absolutely. And, and I guess I'm still a little bit angry at the fact that everyone thinks that those type of clubs are good clubs versus the other type of clubs that are bad clubs. I wish that rhetoric would change a little bit where clubs are clubs and, and you just find your club that you you like and a way of playing that you like as opposed to you must wear those socks or you must wear a tank top. You know. And to your point, Dees, the there, there are still many clubs around that don't have that service mentality when you walk in yeah, oh, that you've just mentioned and absolutely. it's one of the most off-putting things for me personally and some yep. of the some of the better clubs that still do it you don't see that nearly as much in the u.s as you do mm. in australia and correct it, and, and me and you experienced one of those not long ago right both of us had a chat about this and we we, we both made a point at the same time going this is what we're talking about right this is a nice club but gee whiz we're not felt welcome here and that, that that's so sad because if we're feeling that right who are you know, golfers that have enjoyed the game and quite competent. Imagine a beginner or imagine someone that's bought to the club. That's, and imagine that someone that has never seen a golf course before might not be into golf yet, but goes to have a dinner there or go like, and not let her do anything, not let her say anything. Like it, it's it like going to church all over again, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit of a laugh. So, well, you know what you should have done? You should have bloody ranted about this last week when, or last time when I jumped on because no one wants to hear the same crap again. Let's go. What else? What have we got next? <laughs> But I agree with you, as you know, because I just you brought, you brought it up. Forefront. <laughs> well, I might have brought it up, twice. but now I'm dousing it because of, I I don't need people listening to the same podcast twice. So I'm going to throw well, another one at you, Shooter, while you're gearing up yours. Why were all the Australian professional tournaments cancelled? Why were they? Because you know, <coughs> it's all it's all it's all COVID related, isn't it, Phil? But we were able to play. I mean, golf courses were open. Y- yeah, yeah, but COVID, Phil. Weren't they? But COVID. Yeah, and and we had enough. Golf pros I'll here. It, I'll say it again. Everyone's at Byron, mate. It feels like there's something to do with, with, with <laughs> yeah, t- is, it, is it TV ratings perhaps, Phil? So why don't you host it at Byron? Why doesn't Byron Bay Golf Club keep it? That would be a great event. You'd have more than one shark. Why? <laughs> so fundamentally, fundamentally, and it does seem like I'm having a bit nah, of a- they, they panicked. But they, they cancelled it. Hang on. But they cancelled it, not on the basis of COVID. They cancelled it because they were what I believe from a press release is they they weren't able to get a world class field fitting the event. Or Why should that event. matter? Now, if you've got 156 willing and they're all Australian golf pros that are the only ones that can play for the Australian Open, and there's not a stand and there's not a TV camera and there's not a crowd, would they not want to have a crack at the Stone? <laughs> I love how they, I love how they didn't. Uh, you know, cancel the US Open tennis when there was no clown there, right? So, so that like they just kept going, <laughs> and they shouldn't have. Do you not? <laughs> that to me, didn't. Phil, that's that's a sad indictment to me that they don't see the Stonehaven with the same prestige as a lot of us do. I think that they they, they would argue they see it, see it as more prestigious, and therefore, if we haven't got world class players, we're not going to put it on. I'm, I'm I'm hearing this for the first time, by the way. So, so is the idea then? So, keep it to that point, and to play devil's advocate, is the idea then that our perfect our perfect world for the Australian Open is that we bring yeah, in an exactly. international who then wins it? Absolutely, that's that's what they've tried to do for for decades. As opposed to a Shorts Rankin or a Chesty McArdle getting up, getting up and raising the and raising the Stonehaven Cup, a, a great opportunity to play for it. And okay, to my point, to my point, then is it more than Kipper that they they don't have a lot of belief in the Australian talent? Yeah, there's absolutely that. When you go and this is oh whack, don't just gloss over it. Just yeah, you just, you just went no, absolutely. Well, this, that is a, was this is actually something wow. I'm reasonably passionate about, right? Is for, well, for, show some passion. For, de- there, for, for, de- <laughs> for decades, no, for decades, <laughs> governing bodies in this country have fought, right, 
over over you know golf actual events. No one works together. Everyone fights over dates. Like and me as a little pleb caddy have been involved in all this stuff, right? Watching dates change and everyone getting up in arms and hearing from this management company, that management company. Like it's been going on forever and ever. No one works together. And this is a perfect example of why? Because when they continue to advertise these events, it's always around name players, right? Oh, guess who's coming this week? It's um, There's no one in the field, but Tiger's turning up. Oh, great. Okay, we'll get 4,000 people a day, right, to watch him and then no one else, right? So, but they, they miss the whole point of why people go to an event in the first place, right? You think about the three biggest events in this country. No one cares about what's going on. No well, one. not no one, but make it – you're right, make it an event. I'll, I'll go as far as to say 80% don't care about what's 80%, going on. 80% oh, means that 20% come on, Jenna. do want. <laughs> yeah, but, but – Hey, so, if so, she okay. can make up stats, so can if you, Kipper. If, if, yeah, you go, cool. if, if you go to the horse racing, Sorry. do you really care who wins? I do, but <laughs> I don't mind a punt. Right? If you go to the Australian <laughs> Open and you sit in the grounds in the outer, do you really care who wins? Right, they're, they're the two biggest events in, in this country. No one cares. They go because they love the event. The atmosphere, They love yeah. the social aspect. They love doing something and being part of something. And guess what? We're surrounded by wonderful athletes or wonderful horses or wonderful, you know, exhibitions, right? That's why people go to an event. FBR Open, the biggest attended golf tournament in the world. No one cares about I think you'll golf. find it's the waste management they open. They go now. there because- But why does it- Sorry. I, I just on, I, get, I get very angry about this because it frustrates me that it keeps coming back to, oh, guess what? We've got bugger lugs in the field this year. Tremendous. Well, the people that they should be getting to these events don't know who Bugger Lugs is anyway, right? And you need, you need to introduce the sport to people who don't otherwise know the sport. Absolutely. It shouldn't be about who's there. It should be about the event and how that's run, right? Hang on, but you've gone, you've, you've gone deeper than my simpleton mind head, which Bonks. is, so let's say there are no crowds. Mm-hmm. There are no crowds. And there's only caddies. Why can't the Australian Open be played? For 156 Australian-based golf professionals or professionals who happen to be here at a at a Sanctuary Lakes, and just say, by the way, because of COVID, there are no crowds, there are no TV cameras, there are no rights. There's but there's nothing. still a Stonehaven Cup but at the end of it. But there's still a trophy, and there's not a skipped mm. year. Because I'm not sure COVID was worthy of skipping a year. I get the Phil. World War Two thing. Agree with you, Phil. But I'm not sure that COVID is a reason. And and I hear, and I've done no research. Ninety in the mid nineties. I'll say I've got ninety six written here. But in the mid nineties, the Australian PGA was cancelled, and there was absolute uproar from PGA members everywhere to the PGA saying, "Hey, this is our event. I don't care about TV cameras, and I don't care about prize money. If I've got a chance of playing for the Joey Kirkwood." Give me that chance. Mm. I want to play for the trophy. I want to play for the Stonehaven Cup. And I think it's a, re- it's a real shame and it would have been a massive vote of confidence. And I understand there are other reasons and I don't understand the backstory and I'm sorry if I've offended people. But the reality is is that without knowing the backstory, you ask the 156 top-ranked golf professionals in Australia or let's say 100 pros and 56 of the best amateurs to go and play for the Stonehaven Cup. By the way, it's at Sanctuary Lakes. It'll be Thursday to Sunday. No, there's no free range balls, no gear, no tour vans, no prize money. Would you still have a crack? Absolutely. But, but how about how about the, just the idea of getting all those – the exposure for, for the Aussie golfers, give them a big tournament? I mean, we're supposed to be about, about you know, Australian golf – Give them a crack. Give them give them some exposure to a big event to help them in the you know f- future as well. Yeah, I just hate to think that the game of golf is beholden because I think deep down Golf Australia probably don't disagree. I'd hate to think that it's beholden 
to sponsors and to TV broadcasters because I, I don't think it then delivers the outcome. Wow, I'm on a run. Someone lighten this thing up in a real hurry. Shooter, what have you got for us? <laughs> and like, like, like you just said, we're not privy to all the, the inner sanctum conversations, but from what's been said, it, it is frustrating that, yeah, it, it appears that, that that seems to be a reason. Hmm. Kipper, weight shift, just because I'd like to get this slightly technical. Yep. Just to make sure everyone is asleep by the end. Yours is yep. okay. Yours is okay, except for your left hip, no. which we spoke about. <laughs> no, we have we have issues here. Is it weight shift from front to back? Is it weight spin? And if it's weight shift, the longest all the people on the long driving tour who end up invariably on the back foot, like the biggest hitters in baseball do, if we're trying to get our weight forward, why is all their weight travelling backwards at that point? Ah, really good question. Discuss. discuss it is weight shift from a front-on perspective when you're looking at, say, caddy view, front-on. Weight shift, the, the terminology is basically from back foot to front foot and biomechanically, 100% it happens. What happens on the post, in other words, as soon as they strike the ball and after, you'll get all sorts of different, I guess, outcomes from different players, the way they use their legs. And a lot of long drive comps will shift so hard onto the front side and bound up off the left leg that by the time they're into the post and way past hip high on the on the far side, they are starting to back up, right? And and can even, as you say, end up on the back foot. But at the moment of inertia contact, none of them, right, have got their weight going backwards. Well, someone disagrees. Is there is there any sway at all in that though, Dees? You can, look, long drives are, are, are an interesting one because the biggest hitter in the world card, Birkenstyle, he or Birkenshire, he's definitely sways left, right, and then back. So, yes, they can have sway. The most, pretty much the most proficient golfers in the world don't really sway. They more pivot around their angles, but they still weight shift. The pelvis actually uh, moves forward on average around 17 centimetres from setup to contact. Right. And if you think about that, that's over half a ruler length. That's quite a lot. Most players that I see play the game do not shift their weight enough forward. They're all reading books about spin and hip turn and, you know, all this stuff about, you know, I, I guess, you know, getting deep on the backswing and all the rest of it. And hardly any of them are actually shifting up onto the front. And even rotary swing, which is a very famous you know, style, I talk about spin, spin, but in their, in their messaging, they're still talking about spin, spin but spinning forward onto the front leg, which is the weight shift. So it is a real thing, uh, as you say, Phil, but it's almost a dirty word because then people think, oh, I'm getting lateral. Uh, well, no, you're not, right? <laughs> You've got to get a long way forward to get lateral. And you only have to look at some of the greatest lateral players like your Tom Lehmans and these these guys. Yeah, no one, no one has ever made you know, a, a golf swing work well hitting off a back leg. They just can't. Uh, unless you've only got one leg, as we tried to demonstrate. Oh, yes. So, so yes, that's right. what is the weight shift as a percentage? I mean, if you start evenly balanced at 50-50, just to, to give the listeners some idea, I mean, you don't go to 90-10. Yeah, really good question. So so I get this a lot in my lessons. When if Just say you do start 50-50, right, and we'll put a six on in your hand because it changes with driver and it changes with wedge, okay, where that weight shift starts. So if you've got a six on in your hand, middle club, and you start with even 50-50 on a weight plate machine – Every player in the world basically has a little bit of spine angle tilt backwards. Doesn't mean that their pelvis is backwards, but their upper body is slightly backwards. Anywhere from a roughly all the biomechanical studies we did, anywhere from two degrees up to a max of about 11 at address, average being around seven. So point is you're on a bit of an angle, the upper body, right? That doesn't mean you need to be on the back foot. It just means that your weight is, sorry, that your tilt of your upper body is a bit on an angle. 
Now, when you turn around that angle, you don't need to move to the right. In other words, if you're right-handed, you don't need to move to your back foot to create weight shift because you're on a tilted angle. So the minute you turn around that angle precisely, your head doesn't move and your pelvis spins on the spot, the body weight in your upper body, which is all water basically, moves more to the back half. And generically, it's about 80-20. Even if you're stacking your weight, la la, you're stacking tilts and right-sided stuff, they'll still shift even as 65-35. And lots of long drive comps will shift, you know, basically 100 nothing onto that backside because they don't mind a bit of a bit of a lateral and a bit of a heave-ho. But, yeah, to answer your question, you can have your head dead still, pelvis dead still, turn on the spot, and you still have a weight shift on a weight plate machine in the backswing, and that's not the downswing. Now, now moving on from the weight shift sort of stuff, Dees, I want to get into feel, boys, a little bit about the feel around the golf club, around, around contact, around shots. As a former cricketer or attempted cricketer, Dees, I've got some obvious faults that I attribute to cricket, and we often hear people talk about the cricketer's swing and, and fading it right. Do you think there is that – is that real, first of all? And what is something – what is the simple thing – I mean, I know the answer to this. It's about a 10-second drill, really. But what, what can cricketers do to, to get, get on top of their swing or form a cricket? So, so, so yeah, cricket's a brilliant one. I coach a lot of cricketers. have done for a while. And even some elite cricketers who, who happen to be in town for the old Big Bash and, and, and you know, Australian cricket, they have got all basically the same problem where they you know, are so used to a flat bat or a left arm that doesn't rotate that that's how their golf swing becomes. It becomes a reasonably straight down the line sort of shot but without any rotation in the lead arm, they invariably hit fades, blocks, or even big cuts, right? And then they start trying to use their hands as a fixing element to that goal swing. So best way I can tell a cricketer to fix, to fix things, picture you're facing up, right? And you've taken middle stump as, you, as, you, as your mark. Bowler comes in from over the wicket, right? And bowls outside of off stump, right? Take your foot to the ball, and instead of playing it, you know, basically through covers, hoik it back over mid-off, right, so past past the left of, if you're looking down the cricket pitch, left of the uh, umpire, right, and just continue to hit as hard as you can with your arms. Right? So through, no co- through covers to mid-on, basically. Yeah, sorry, to mid-on, yes, yeah. not mid-off, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, exactly right. So so you get that kind of roundhouse pull, but you've got your foot to the meat of the ball, right, and that effectively just rotates your arms and, and gets the bat, I, I guess, turning over. And that makes that makes a fair bit of sense when you consider cricketers who are very good at golf, like the Ricky Pontings, the Greg Blewitts. Mm. These guys were, were awesome onside players. Absolutely, like Ricky was an amazing puller of the golf ball. Oh, sorry, <laughs> we probably used to well. <laughs> but puller of the cricket ball. Right, he, he was famous there for a while because everyone was bowling short stuff at him, and he would just pull it. So it's it's a version of that, I guess, where that shot, and you'd know being a cricketer, Dave, you have to roll mm. your arms and wrists quite quick on yeah. that so the ball gets down. Or hitting through right. mid-wicket, of, yeah, that real whip, yeah. wristy, yeah. wristy. So without using wrists as much, mm. you do it with arms, and that's the only real difference, right? So that's your quick fix for a cricketer. Just pitch a run down the uh, down, down the pitch and, and hitting it to the left of the umpire, not, not over the umpire's head. Jeez, we've jumped around a bit tonight. I tell you, I'm not sure uh, how anyone's kept it. It's like a Ross Noble concert. Phil, seriously, if, if we were Uberating you right now, it would be pretty low because you've been very negative. <laughs> now, it's not a bad point, but I did want to, as my last idea and my last contribution, Ever? potentially, as we keep <laughs> saying, for, 20, <laughs> for, for 2020, my Uber Baron ratings, <laughs> which was proposed way back in March. Before you went, the greatest idea you've ever come up with. What is it? Without question, the Uber Uber Baron golf ratings. Have you 
No, no matter. Quick, quick rundown, Phil. Just for those who those who have okay, missed it. A quick rundown. A quick rundown is that just like you rate Uber drivers, Kipper, you rate playing partners. <laughs> and tremendous. So that on on a timesheet, when you're looking to put your name down <sighs> with a random, I did hear this. You're right. No, no, you know where you're at now. Well, geez, it's got a stickiness about it. <laughs> <laughs> but what I've been thinking about from an Uber Baron writings is how good it would be for inclusiveness. And we talk about the intimidation factor. Again, when we talk about women playing with men or men playing with women or otherwise, if you knew that there was an Uber Baron writing system that you could look up and you can go on the timesheet and go, oh, Dion Kipping, hey, <laughs> 4.6. But then you click on the number and it goes into a bit of detail. And this is where I've great to play with people of all standards or all prefixes. Really good with the conversation. Even though he plays off two, he won't give you advice that'll work unless you're a kipper, unless you're a shooter, but you won't be intimidated by him, like just a great person mm-hmm. to play golf with. I think that is the answer to to overcoming this fear because there's no question that, that there is some trepidation when you put your name down with someone that you don't know that, you know, you'd like a little bit of background if you could. So I'm proposing that Uber Barons becomes golf the tender. Problem, <laughs> the problem would die overnight if we did this, Phil. It is fantastic. It's a fantastic idea. And and the whole point that you raised, that, yeah, people do get intimidated because this is your – golf is sacred to us. This is sacred time. We're, we're taking a day out of our lives to do something we absolutely love and you don't want to be stuck with a knobhead, do you? Oh, yeah. So the reality is. Or not one walking around with a soccer ball between their arms because that's the only advice that kippers give. I, I want to fault it, Phil, because you came up with it, but I can't. It's perfect. <laughs> it, it, it is quite it's, good. It's impossible to fault. It's impossible to fault. And I've actually looked at this long and hard, and I've surveyed a number of persons <laughs> about, this, about this very system. And it is, you can't fault it. The only thing you can fault is with dishonest feedback, you know, that can effectively skew things. But like with the handicap, you drop out your worst and your best ratings and you get the average of the next five and that's your Uber rating. So there's always a way to fight back. But but what it would do is it would allow, let's say we're going to play at the awesome new Sandringham Golf Course, Golf Links in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, OCM Design just released, get down there. It's like a junior Royal Melbourne. It's fantastic. But I wanted to I wanted to put my name down there because there's one person sitting on the timesheet. They're a 4.7 and they play off scratch, but they are just as much fun to play with when you're off 29 as they are when you're off two. Great conversationalist. And she hits it miles. I'm in. I'm done. I have nothing more to add to this. I am done. Excellent, Phil. And on, on that note, we're going to throw over to, to Gipper for his famous Tales from the two IDs. What have you got well, for us to bring us well, home after Philly dropped us down a little bit, pipped us up a notch, and you're going to just ride us up the mountain? Well, following on from this podcast, this uh, Tales from the Two will be an absolute rabble of high and lows, left and right, and <laughs> real no point to it. So, uh, actually, it may, maybe maybe think about the uh, being the end of the year. Every year we used to have basically an end of year kind of mini tour party sort of thing, which culminated in basically going to Queensland and playing either the Coulomb Classic, followed by the Jack Newton Invitational, which was just a ripping event. So, I don't have any um, tales from these two events, but I'm going to go with one of the great ones from the Coolum Classic. So we rock up there one year and anyway, it's just pouring rain, right? So so play gets cancelled. We go back to our rooms. Well, I'm rooming with Bads at, at that point. Anyway, in the room next to us, all we hear is, right, right on the wall for hours on end. I'm like, what the bloody hell is that? Right, and it gets, it gets pretty late. And we're like, oh, let's go to dinner. So we go to dinner. Um, come back. We hear the... 
Da-dum, on the wall again. So Badger's like, I'm going to go find out. So he walks over next door, he taps on the door, opens up. Here's Chucky Fowler in his boxer shorts and nothing else on, right? And he's got a little wedge in his hand. I'm like, have you heard that noise, Chucky? He's like, what noise? I'm like, well, I don't know. There's like a banging on the wall. And he goes, oh, it's probably me. I'm just practicing my wedge shot. <laughs> like, yeah, right. So he's hitting wedge shots for the nearest side of five hours because we'd gone to dinner, come back. Like, he was just a genius with his short game, Chucky Fowler. Anyway, so we walk out of there and, uh, you know, the night's obviously getting dark. We're like, oh, well, I was anyway. Let's go for a couple of frothies. And Bad's like, oh, I'll leave you to it. So out I go. Anyway, I have a ripping night with the boys and – Back them days, um, great Australian player Kim Felton was my uh, ultimate wingman on on these these nights. He was a he was a legend, felt. Anyway, we we get on the source. It's all happening, and we have a wonderful night. I end up in the pool, swimming all hours. Anyway, the sun starts to come up, right? And I'm like, oh, I've got to get back because I know we're going to be teeing off soon. But it's still rocketing down rain, right? So I get creep into the room and. Bads is all sound asleep, so happy days. So when I crawl, anyway, get a tap on the shoulder. Don't know how many minutes or hours it was later. It couldn't have been many. I get up and Bads is like, he's like, you ready to go? I'm like, oh, yep, yeah, yeah, I'm in. So we get up, still pouring rain. We go to the tour official's office and they're like, oh, look, I, uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll take our positions, but chances are we're not going to play today. I'm like, really? So we get all the rigmarole, you know, the wets on and all the blah, blah, blah. Out we go to whatever aisle we were on. And it is hammering, right? There's water <laughs> literally. And it's hard to flood that course, right? But there is water everywhere lying. I'm like, there's no way we can play. Anyway, sure enough, you hear the, the sound. Mm, we can't do it. Well, next thing I look over on the following hole or the, the hole behind us, <laughs> he's felt, right? And he, I know, hadn't been to bed because I'd only <laughs> a little bit of sleep, right? And he's with his caddy. And he's like, all I could hear him is ranting. What? We can't play? Why do they get us out here? And he goes, how am I going to earn any money? Right? And his caddy goes, you think you're doing it bad? He goes, I don't get anything anymore. What, no sponsor? And he goes, and he just turns to his caddy, <laughs> I'll never forget this. And he goes, I'll pay you to do a few, a few moves. And he's like, what's the moves? He goes, I want you to run flat steam at that puddle with the bag on your back and see how long you can slide for. So caddy's like, all right. So he... <laughs> Gets up ahead of steam, he's got the bag on his back and just runs flat out down the fairway and starts basically, oh, I don't know, what Superman sliding through these puddles. Puddles going all over his head. Tour officials are watching, but they don't, they're not really that, that caring, but they can't do anything about it. Felch just starts coughing out <laughs> 20s, 50s. <laughs> the caddy's just running up and down the fairway on the putting green in front of the clubhouse. Of course, yeah, by then there's a huge crowd and he's got the technique down pat where he puts the chest in, the chin up and the wings out. And he's got his caddy bib on, which now is obviously just covered in mud. And he's just running full steam past the clubhouse and then... Across the putting green like a penguin. <laughs> the crowd's in absolute hysterics. Anyway, I'll never forget as long as I live. And Caddy just then walks off and, and everyone's looking at Feltz and it's like, well, at least someone's earned some money. And that was him. You're done. Right? And it was just a great end of the year every year, those two tournaments. I, I absolutely loved them. And uh, I, that's the one little part I miss about tour is the, those events. And the Jack Newton Celebrity, which we'll go into another day, amazing, amazing event. And on that note, we'll bring this Tenuous Links Golf Podcast to a close. Thanks to those who have been supporting us watching Golf Barons On Demand on KO. Season 2 is in full swing and we'll be back on Foxtel and KO in the new year with some far more quirkier segments than you could even imagine. 
And special thanks to our US and UK listeners who've been getting our first season on Amazon Prime Video in their respective regions. Head on over to baronslife.com and sign up to get reminders about this podcast or to check out the latest issue of Barons Life Golf and Lifestyle magazine. Until next time, Barons, have a Merry Christmas from all of the Barons. And me. And me. Add some swagger to your swing.